Hi, this is Father Voskin with a new episode of The Next Step. We'll be talking about Artsakh for sure, but also we'll be taking a look at Hawaii and what we can do. This is episode number 780, August 18th, 2023. Hi, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to The Next Step Podcast with Father Vazgan. With these podcasts, Father Vazgan provides a very distinct and consistent voice for Armenian Orthodoxy. It is the means for providing people an intelligent and practical answer to life's difficulties, based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by our Lord, Jesus Christ. We produce these shows every week for a vast audience, which includes those who are searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, the disenfranchised members of the church community, and of course, the neophyte. So we invite you to sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to take the next step. Well, welcome. It has been a while, hasn't it? It's at least two or three weeks, right? It has been a really wild ride this year and kind of like a lot of abnormalities in our in our next step. We were going like full speed ahead every week, you know. And what we used to say that in Armenian, Achyov, you know, like they, they, you got the evil eye. Somebody hit you with the evil eye. Maybe, I don't know what. But this year has been um, kind of a difficult one. And I just had another little surgery and coming out of one of those places where – just don't want to be there but you're very very happy that they exist you're very happy that um they are around and and thank god that they are around and um let me tell you thank god i'm doing okay all right had a little procedure had to spend a couple nights in the hospital but got through it and um you know it's like the second time this year this year I went in for a hip surgery a while ago. and Anyway, I'm not going to burden you with what's going on with me. Suffice it to say, as I always say, <laughs> I'm uh, better than most, not as good as some, right? And even today, I'll tell you, I'm better than most. <laughs> Forget about the some. Who cares about them, right? If you're living, who cares about any of the other stuff? Anyway, it's great to be back with you. I think about the next step is such an important part of my personal life. It's cathartic. It gets me a chance to to talk about some things that are very important, very real, and definitely directions of the church. And today you'll see exactly why I could say it is cathartic, because I was completely, completely frustrated. I was disappointed. Last week was the celebration of the Assumption of the Holy Mother of God, Asfadzadzin. And I'll tell you a few places where I got really disappointed. I just thought of one one other place, and that was, why, why is it every time they talk about the Blessed Mother in Armenian circles, they talk about, they say, Theotokos, you know? Like, as if we say it in Greek, it's going to have any better meaning, or or as if somebody's going to understand the Greek and not the Armenian. No, she's Asvazadzin, the Holy Mother of God. That's how we refer to her, Asvazadzin. Hey, and I'd rather get my cues from the first Christian nation, right? So Asvazadzin, it was the assumption. So I was just really frustrated. I'm reading like um, one of the things that I do, I have to do actually, uh, during the week I get all kinds of um, uh, mailings. And fortunately now most of these mailings are 
online. I, I sift around and I look at what's what's out there. And yeah, I keep seeing this name, Theotokos. You know, okay, Theo, I get it. Asbuds, Theotokos, the mother of God. Yes, I know it. But come on, isn't that Asbadzin? And why is it that when we say it in Greek, somehow? It it has more legitimacy. I always love it. You listen to these um, pastors who are speaking, these preachers, and they'll take this, that, this, that from different places of Holy Scripture. And then they say, and according in the Greek, it is like this. (laughs) Are you living in Greek culture? It only means something when you could... Take a look at the entire culture, not just the the language itself. You know, it means different things, and I always point to different things. You know, we we say if somebody's jealous, we say the green-eyed monster. Yeah, that's another way of saying the person is jealous. The green eye he was attacked by the green-eyed monster. Do you think that in a thousand years that expression will have any meaning? Somebody who reads that in two thousand years in in somebody's uh, journal or somebody where written, you know, they're going to think that truly a a monster with a green eye attacked this poor guy. You know, when all it simply means is that you know he was attacked by a little bit of jealousy. And there's so many of these uh, these metaphors and ways of saying expressions, expressions, right? Think about emojis. Expressions are written emojis. That what that's what they are. Today we just make a little emoji. We pull down a menu or we strike it with a pinky and we get a little emoji on our screen and we send it off. In 2000 years, what are those emojis going to mean? And that's what happens. A lot of times people will look at the Holy Scriptures and they go, oh, yeah, this is what it means. No, it was like 2,000 years ago. And that's why you have to go in the context of the church. The church was there when these things were written. The church was there when green-eyed monsters meant jealousy, right? You don't take it literally. There isn't a green-eyed monster there. You don't take it literally. You don't take the Bible literally. It's true. Everything in the Bible is true. But it's not literal. It's not literal fact. You know, God created Adam and Eve. He created man and woman. That's what it says. Adam means man. Eve means woman. That's how simple it is. God created life. And isn't that a beautiful expression? Isn't that a beautiful way of explaining that all life begins with God? I love it. I accept that. But to believe that there was a man named Adam... There was a woman named Eve, and together they had two children. They happened to be two boys, and then there's no other humanity on the world and the planet, and somehow they procreate. It's too bizarre. Too bizarre. Don't go there, and I'm not going there today, too. I'm going to tell you about my own frustration. My own frustration came out of last week where we celebrated the assumption of the Holy Astvazadzin, the Holy Mother of God. And uh, right around that same time, there was here in Los Angeles, there was a blockade of the freeway. And Armenians pulled out a, a giant big rig. They blocked off four or five lanes of the freeway, backed up traffic for miles and miles and miles. And I can only imagine the frustration of the people. And... Um, Back miles down, I could only imagine some of the tragedies that took place when people were trying to take care of themselves, perhaps get to a hospital in time, but were were, were stifled because traffic wasn't moving. 
Oh, why did they do this? Yeah, why did they do this? Because in Artsakh, there is a blockade there that is preventing food and preventing medicine from getting to the people. And so these people came out in in Los Angeles and protested that. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild when you think about it. And I understand. First of all, let me say, I understand because it's very frustrating. The world is not paying attention. But before you go there, you've got to ask yourself, are you paying attention? What I saw was just, it was hideous. I saw a guy get up and, and they're talking on the, you know, it's the news at 10. They come up with uh, with reporters and they shove a microphone in. What are you doing here on the freeway? I want my children to know. What are you talking about? What are your children going to know? That you blocked a freeway? That certain people were discomforted tonight? People didn't get to the hospitals because of your uh, of what you did? And that, how is that going to help the Armenians? How is that going to help anybody in Artsakh? Well, you know, other people, they protest. No, other people protest in different ways. You know, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. I remember what protest was. It was against a government that was here, right? A government that was here. If you're going to if you're going to protest against governments elsewhere, you can go and protest over there or you can do it at their embassies. And I'm very glad the following day over here they went over to the Azer- Azerbaijan embassy and they did it. Well, beautiful. Yes, that's where a protest takes place. Either that or you go to Baku. But we've got to be a little bit realistic. A couple months ago, Serge Tonkin, you know, he's uh, he's known in the music world. He goes and gets Peter Gabriel. Yeah, Peter Gabriel, yes, we did the, the world comes together. There comes a time with Michael Jackson, and we got people together, and we, we, we helped the famine elsewhere, right? That was beautiful. Now you've got Peter Gabriel signing on with Serge Tonkin that we've got to do something for the people in Artsakh. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah, do it. Say it. But do you really think anything's going to happen? Do you think that guy in Artsakh, their president, that excuse me, in Azerbaijan, do you think the president in Azerbaijan really cares about a Serge Tonkin or a, a uh, Peter Gabriel? You think they care that you're blocking the freeway over here? I mean, it's. It, it, do you think that they have shame? I mean, isn't that really what you're trying to do? You're trying to shame them. And they don't have any shame. They're killing people. It's another genocide over there. And so my frustration was not that they were just doing this, but they were talking like this. And our church, on that same week, you know what we offered? We said, come to church and we are going to celebrate the Assumption of Mary and we're going to have great blessing. And nobody took the time. Nobody took the time to make a connection with what was going on over there in Artsakh. They spoke about it. But make the connection with what we are presenting. Like, what does this have to do with anything? St. Mary, the mother of God, sitting there assumed into heaven grapes are being blessed why are we doing this what does it mean and what does it have to do with anything in our world today and when you talk about irrelevance there it is it's staring you at the face 
And it's up to us as priests to be able to make that tie. Nobody's doing it. I'm reading I'm reading everywhere. I'm looking all over. I would love to hear if you heard somebody connected. And because I'm gonna connect it for you. It is so important right now. What happened at Assumption was is is essential for us to understand what's going on in our lives and what we can do. And during the week I've been doing podcasts, daily podcasts, and I've been talking about this about the need for us to start looking at our own stories. You see, instead of going around and asking the governments of, you know, Los Angeles, we're sitting in Los Angeles, asking the government of the United States to do something, to intercede. We're sitting in, in Armenia asking Russia. We're asking France. And you know what they tell you? Yeah, yeah, we, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Take a number. <laughs> Take a number. I mean, why? What haven't we learned? Harimhan Heidig, one of the heavyweights of the Armenian Church, he said, "Put rely on your own uh, on your own uh, resources. Rely on yourself. Rely on your own weapons." When you return to Armenia, bring with you weapons. Okay, what's those weapons that we're going to take? What weapon do we have that could compete on the scale that we're talking about? And okay, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I've been saying this. You've got to leverage what you have. It's Archimedes all the way. Archimedes says, give me a lever and a fulcrum and I can move the world. Okay, aren't we ready to move the world? Why are we sitting there talking about getting help and finding help and assistance from governments when they're telling you that they're not going to do anything? We sat with the Secretary of State Department a couple weeks ago. I shared that with you, right? Archbishop Hovnan organized this beautiful opportunity for every priest, every minister, every Catholic priest within the United States to get together with the Secretary of State and speak in terms of uh, of our of our faith and the importance of America getting involved, not sitting back. And we sat there, and the man, the Secretary of State's department—I forgot his name, whoever they had sent—who was the spokesman—he said it very clearly. He says, "This is an issue that Armenia and Azerbaijan." have to work out okay he's telling you he's telling you what more do we want what else are we going to say why are we why do we keep going after these people but we do because we forget that we have that power that's what we find out from Asfazazin the holy mother of God she was a little girl she changed the entire world based on one statement I'm a servant of God. Yes. She said yes. She was invited to bring Christ into this world. She said yes. That's how simple it is. Do you realize you and me were all invited to bring Christ into the world? It's called love. Bring love into the world. Do one thing. Bring love into the world. Can you say yes? Because when you say yes, you're doing what she did. That's the message that comes up to us from Asfadzadzin. The simplicity of saying yes to God and knowing that you can change the world. We can affect what's going on in Artsakh. 
not with the weapons, the conventional weapons, but the weapons that we have within us. I'm going to talk about it, yes. No, and not talking pie in the sky, not talking about like let's pray and God's going to be with us. Now I'm going to tell you, just a few minutes, okay? Because meanwhile, while all this is happening last week, there was a huge fire in Hawaii. Now, exactly a month before that fire, we had gone out to Maui. I did uh, three baptisms over there. A young Armenian family um, and baptized their children, baptized people there. And we had a, a great time. I mean, we were there for less than a week, but we got to see so many places. But one of the things that we did was the people we stayed with, they had a beautiful um, uh, restaurant bar on Front Street in Maui. And when we heard about the fire, the wildfire in Maui, we heard Front Street was destroyed. So I called them and, yes, sure enough, their bar, like so many others, was leveled to the ground. And yet this family, beautiful family, they're out there helping their neighbors, opening their house to refugees to, yeah, that's what they call them. They're basically neighbors, right? <laughs> they're neighbors, and bringing them in and supporting them, people who have seen their their families and their houses and their businesses completely destroyed, leveled to the ground. Do you realize, I think they said that this was the largest natural disaster in the United States history, or the most, um, most people that have been killed. They're still, they, they've found, I think, 120 remains but there's still like 1,300 people that are missing. And um, I heard one commentator talking about it. They, You know, they do this typical thing after a disaster. They bring, again, the microphones and, you know, they have to give us this news and this information. It's so pressing. And okay, so they give us this news. And they tell us that the flames were going 60 miles an hour, being pushed by the, the winds that were going 60 miles an hour. Well, do the math on that. That's a mile a minute. Can you possibly imagine that? If you're having a hard time, just think about this. Think about where you're sitting right now. Where is a mile away? Right now, where I'm sitting, Hill Street is a mile away. Okay, so I'm picturing that in my mind. So imagine... I'm looking at my left side, and the flames are right there. And one minute from this point, those flames are going to be one mile away. And everything in between me and that one mile point is going to be incinerated, charred, done, finished. And it, oh, it's huge. This is like beyond belief. And so this is taking place right here in our backyard. And now... We're sitting here and watching a blockade on the Los Angeles freeway system. And I'm hearing some guy with a microphone in his mouth. We want our children to know because the world cannot stand by. Wait, what about you? What do you mean the world can't stand by? What did you do for Hawaii? Have you picked up any, any contributions? Have you done anything? Or is it just about you? And I'm so sick and tired of this whole idea that somehow, somehow we our wounds are open. I shared with you that beautiful picture we found back last year. 
genocide survivors five years after the Armenian genocide, beautifully, beautifully dressed at a church picnic here in Los Angeles. People whose wounds were definitely open at the time, but you wouldn't have known it because they realized they had to pick themselves up. And now we've got people that are talking about, yeah, we've got to teach the world a lesson. How about you learning a lesson? I'm pleased to say that our In His Shoes Ministries, In His Shoes Ministries, Walking in the Shoes of Others, since 2003, since its inception, we have been helping people outside of our own cause, whether it's in Darfur, whether it's in the Congo, and sometimes it's been in Armenia. And right now, we are doing a collection for the people in Hawaii. Feel like making a donation? Go to our website. Pull down the menu on Donate. Put a donation for Hawaii. Every cent of it goes over there. And we have our people over there. We have our people that, that are able to distribute. Now think about that for a moment. Now you have the moral credibility to talk Now you can talk and tell people, hey, you know, I've done something. And I want you to think about it in these terms, right? If God is with you, who can be against you? But we don't believe that yet, right? We don't believe that God is with us. If we did, we wouldn't be worried about getting the the United States government or the Russian government, Italian, Japan, or whoever it might be. You have the greatest with you. Let's take a break right now, okay? Play play a song of the day just to change the... Give me a chance to get my water, and then we'll be back in a couple minutes. Okay, and I'm going to continue. Okay, put a bookmark in it right there, and we'll talk about what we're, what we're going to do after that. Here's the song of the day for today. Sit back and relax as you enjoy this.
wonderful life and somewhere over the rainbow you wouldn't know it right it kind of stuck them all together somehow when you're in in hawaii you think that this is just like a commercialized song but it is all over <laughs> we heard it on our radio how many times while we were there you know we had to rent a car and just listening to it it was really nice and i always appreciate it the song itself is beautiful and of course his voice is incredible um, something to remind us of what the people of Hawaii, especially in Maui, what they're going going through right now, and a reminder that we can participate in their in their pain by walking in the shoes, by helping out these people. If you'd like to make a donation, you may do so. Um, you can always send it in. You can always send in a check to the Western Diocese address. Just make it make it payable to In His Shoes and make a memo for Hawaiian wildfire relief if you'd like to do it quicker today like right now before you forget about it go to our website epostle.net that's apostle with an e epostle.net or in his shoes.org and pull down the donate button and one of the options there is hawaiian wildfire relief Select it and make your donation and be certain that 100% of your donation 
will be distributed and used for for aid for these people. We have people on the ground over there who are helping out, and um, and they've assured me that every cent of it will be used as as it should be at this point. It's really really tragic what the people are going through, and every day discovering new um, new tragedies. It's only been like a week and a half now since since the fires erupted. Anyway, that's there. Again, inissues.org or epostle.net. Hit the donate button, and we look forward to your donation. Okay, we are back to the second half of today's next step, and I came down pretty hard. I'm going to come down even harder, not on anybody in particular, on all of us. Because let's start off with the most basic, basic understanding that I think we can all agree on. Do we really believe what we are talking about? Do we really believe in this Christian message, right? If we, we say we're Christian, right? We say we're the first Christian nation, for the children of the first Christian nation. But you know, if we believed the stuff that we're talking about, our churches wouldn't be in the situation they're in right now. I mean, you know, you can hear crickets in some of the churches. You can go there and there's like nobody in there. Some of the churches, I mean, read their bulletins, read what they're they're talking about. They're raising money by killing chickens. Come to our chicken dinner. I, I mean, can you believe that? This is how we're supporting the church, by having dinners and banquets. Instead of saying that, hey, I believe in this, I'm going to support it. I believe in this cause. Let me support it. You know, that's how most of the world does it. They don't do chicken dinners. <laughs> but this is what the situation is. Okay, so let's let's agree on this, right? Okay, we're not at that level of where we should be. And so we appeal to other people instead of appealing on the resources that we have. Namely, we do have the faith. We have a faith that tells us if God is with you, who can be against you? A faith that tells us if God is with you, you're no longer a minority. You're in the majority right now. We have a faith that tells us that he is a powerful God that can overcome all of the difficulties. Okay, so why aren't we believing this? Well, because there's a prejudice. I love that word, prejudice. It's exactly pre-judging. Prejudging. You usually hear it about uh, ethnic prejudice, right? Someone says they are prejudiced against black people. They are prejudiced against Asians. They are prejudiced against Armenian. What does that mean? You have prejudged that person without understanding any of the, the any of the details. You said, okay, that person by his ethnic makeup is predisposed to be doing this, 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 these characteristics. I have prejudged them based on who they are from the outside. And we do the same thing with religion. We prejudge anything that comes from the religious community. And, you know, if I get up and I say something, if I get up and talk about these things, it's one thing. But if somebody who's not a priest gets up and talks about the same things, you're inclined to listen to them. 
Why? Because they're sitting around and they, you know, they're, they're not a priest. A religion, hey, you know, go, go in your little corner. Have you ever seen Animal House? If you haven't, it's worth, you don't need to watch the whole movie. Actually, if you do it, watch the whole movie. But at the very beginning, there's like these three or four, no, there's two. There's two guys that are pledging and they go from um, fraternity to fraternity and they're kind of like dorky people. Nobody wants them in there. So they go to this big fraternity house and they take the, the, the guy says, welcome, welcome to the fraternity. And then he moves them over and he puts them next to four characters that, you know, you look at them and you go, okay, like these are the losers. You know, they've got a big L on their on their forehead, okay? And these poor guys, they're, they're trying to pledge and they go to a, they go to another person to say, hey, we're here, we're pledging and we, we want to be considered for your fraternity. And the guy takes them by the hand and pushes them off and puts them in that same category with those four other guys. And I always think about this when when people find out that I'm a priest, okay, they automatically categorize you and this is where you belong. This is what you should be. This is what you believe and therefore this is what you're going to be. It's like uh, people just assume and that's how powerful the religious right is here in this country because they assume that if you're Christian, you kind of buy into everything that the religious right is is talking about. That somehow you, you vote Republican, you against abortion, and you, you can't stand gay people. Um, there's, there's just this mindset on there. And that is a prejudice. That is a prejudice. People have this prejudice against religion. And that follows through into us. You know, in the year 2000, or no, 1999, ah, that's last century, you know that? <laughs> 1999, Carlos Santana, one of the giants in the music business. He was at Woodstock, actually, yeah, yeah. Carlos Santana, he was um, putting out his album. And he called together a group of musicians, and he had this fantastic idea of putting together this album and what was the name of the album it was called supernatural now that that sounds good he's a musician so he calls it supernatural ask him why did he name it he says because it was truly supernatural something else was at play on how these musicians people like eric clapton you know came and they played together on the album Dave Matthews, you know, they came and they played together on this album. He says it was supernatural power bringing us together. The music was supernatural. Now, he uses this phrase, this term in passing, but he means it. And yet nobody has a problem with him. Why? Because, well, it's Carlos Santana. And people can talk about religion, can talk about supernatural, but if a priest does it, uh, well, come over here and sit with these other people. Get in this other category. No. Why would I? Isn't what we're talking about the supernatural? Isn't God the supernatural? Well, yes and no. And I'm going to give you the, the no first, okay? Because the yes is easy, yes. You look at God and you say he's, he's supernatural, beyond the natural. And I want you to think about the image that Jesus gave us. He's God incarnate. He became man so that we could know what God is about. Look at what Jesus does. 
Does it walk on nat- on water? Is that supernatural? We call it supernatural. Was it supernatural for him? No! It was natural. He goes up to the blind man. He touches the man's eyes and the man sees. Is that supernatural? No! It was natural for Jesus. Think about everything that he did. He resurrected from the grave. Supernatural? No. He's telling you, believe in me, he'll do the same thing. Natural. Natural. Life doesn't end at the grave. Everything that Jesus did was natural for him. We are the ones who ascribe it a supernatural characteristic. And there's our problem. There's our problem. We've started to believe in these supernatural instead of understanding them as natural. If you could dump the prejudice, you start seeing the possibilities now. Because if I'm if I could do those supernatural things, why would I want to even ask somebody the the United States government? Why would I even want to ask Russia? France because they have power? What kind of power do they have? Power that destroys, power that destructs. This is the big mistake that we're making in Ukraine, right? Instead of relying on on the Ukrainian people, we've said, let's supply them. Let's supply them. Here's a bunch of weapons. Go out there and fight it right. And then we see this as our means. We say, well, how come nobody's done that for us? How come they're not giving us weapons? Remember our old ally? (laughs) Not for me, but you've all heard, right? You've gone to enough of those Armenian events where we set up and we we make that that head table, the head dais, and we talk about the genocide. And there's our allies, the Jewish people who went through a holocaust. Until we find out in 2020 who was supplying... Who was supplying weapons? Where were they buying those bombs and those weapons? In fact, at that meeting I was alluding to earlier about um, meeting with the State Department, one of our dear priests, a dear friend of mine, I was so proud of him. He got up and he said, um, he he asked point blank to the State Department, at what point will the U.S. government tell Israel, you know, after all, we're very good friends, Tell them that their support of Azerbaijan is not in, is not the right place to be supporting. That is wrong to be doing that. I forgot how he said it, but it was just so to the moment, so much to the point. Yeah. We trust others instead of ourselves, the resources that we have. Here we are, a group of people sitting on this land in the middle of nowhere between three continents Africa, Asia and Europe and it's nowhere in the, when I said in the middle of nowhere in, in the point that all around us are people that are hostile towards us if we have one friend it's perhaps the Iranians uh, to the south of us but you know the rest of the world doesn't even want to talk to them but that's our dear friend Yet Armenian people sitting there, it's not because of their political prowess that they made it. No, it isn't. 
There's no political strategy. Even the political strategist, someone like a Garegin Nizhde, what does he put at the top of it? God, the homeland. God. He puts God at the top. Why aren't we doing that? Why don't we believe in what we have? Well, because we haven't been given the tools. We haven't been fed by the proper place. And that's why last week I was so frustrated. Because we place after place, all I saw was, come over and we're going to bless grapes for you. Let me tell you why we bless those grapes. Those grapes are your connection to the vine, the connection to that source, that source that will melt away the heart of stone and tell you that you need to give, you need to help, and you need to get out of the way and support the people in Hawaii, in Darfur, and everywhere else. And once you do that, that love will conquer the evil that's in this world. Jesus says, I am the vine, my Father is the vine dresser, you are the branches. That's you and me. We're the branches. And he says, if you want to bear fruit, you have to be connected to me. That's why we bless the grapes. On that first day, first fruit, excuse me, that's brought to the church is brought as an offering of thanksgiving. When we thank God, what happens? We realize that we are not important. We are not the important one. We're saying that, no, there's somebody who is more important and we are thanking God. In thanksgiving, we lose our ego. We place somebody else in front of us. And in so doing, in that humility, we are able to see things differently. We are understanding ourselves as part of a big collective. The world. And the pain of others is also the pain of of me. So we walk in the shoes of others. Total empathy. It's one thing to love people, but you have to understand what you're loving when you put your feet in the shoes of others. Can you imagine a fire that went one mile a minute and incinerated everything? No, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine. I'll be really honest. I'm going to put my feet in the shoes of others. I feel my feet in the shoes of the people of Maui in Hawaii. And I say, okay, I need to walk in their shoes. Now I need to help. It's one thing to understand. Now I need to help. And that's the invitation that we have today. That's the invitation that I'm giving you today. Yes, I was very frustrated because we had a perfect opportunity to teach and to share a story that connects us to a bigger bigger purpose. And we blew it. We talked about grapes. We talked about St. Mary. Dying in Bartholomew, you know the story, right? That's what I'm saying. Bartholomew, one of the twelve who wasn't there, and so he went and asked to see the body, and they opened up the the tomb, and Mary wasn't there. She was assumed into heaven, and that's beautiful. Why was she assumed? She was assumed because she gave birth to love. Can we put it that basic? She said yes to God. I will be the servant of God. And today, it's no different than any other time. God is asking you, be my agent. Bring love into this world. Bring love into this world. And when you say yes, look what's happening. 
all of a sudden you have taken on personal responsibility. It's on you. It's not about other people. It's you. And you've always been the game changer. You've always been the game changer. People will tell you, you can't change other people. That's right. You can't go around telling people what they're going to do, but you can do it yourself. And think about this for a moment. You're the one now responsible. It's on you. Ah. And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm bringing about love. That's a supernatural thing. Mary said yes to God. She brought about the ultimate supernatural, right? No different. Bring love into this world. Jesus is love. God is love. That's what Mary was asked to bring. That's what you're asked to bring. Bring love into this world. Not somebody else. Not the Russians. Not the French. Not the United States. You do something about this. And you can Because if each of us understand that, we now understand that we've moved over from the supernatural to the natural. See, everybody's trying to get from natural to supernatural because they think, oh, that's such a great deal, you know, like the parlor tricks and everything. This isn't about parlor tricks. It's about living. And once you make the supernatural love into something natural that's part of your life, now you're functioning at a different level. Now you're doing supernatural things as part of your natural, as part of your natural existence. And I think that's the beauty of this. That's the beauty of what Christ is saying. That's the beauty of what Armadoxy has always said. That's why we're at, at the place where we're at. No military strategies, nothing like that. No, 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 no. Bring love into the world. God takes care of the rest. Well, what is God? God is that love takes care of it can you imagine right now there's people like suffering in hawaii what would it mean for an armenian group and that's by the way that's how we do help when in his shoes writes to these people and sends money it's in the name of the armenian people you imagine those people saying what 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 is this armenian they're saying well why are you armenians doing it because we've been there we felt it and now we're helping others Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that like a pay-it-forward kind of thing? And once you start doing that, imagine the snowball effect where it leads. People helping one another. People loving one another. Instead of tearing down, burning down, bombing, and destroying, we're now building. And like I said, it's not pie in the sky. It's real. It's not about like looking up and saying, oh yeah, God loves us and everything. No, not about God. It's not about Russians. It's not about Americans, the French, the Italians. I'm only saying this because these are the main players for the Armenian people these days. And you know, that's important to say too. I'm speaking as an Armenian because this is touching me when I see children I, you know I was very moved the other day when somebody uh, on on one of the interviews said I want my children what are you teaching your children I want my children to know that we stood up you didn't stand up for anything you went in the middle of Hollywood on a busy freeway you stopped the traffic you hurt a lot of people because people didn't get to their destinations who had to get there and what is that you've taught your children what that you've been disruptive 
And I feel really bad because as a church, what was our answer? Well, as a church, I am answering it. I am giving you this answer. I am telling you this is what the church has always said. Don't put it on other people. Don't put it on other people to do it. What's the message you're sending to your children? It hurts me every time I I think about our children, our next generation. We've taught them that Armenians are dispensable, right? Because we go up to people and we beg them. Beg them to look after what we have to do. Why? Why would I beg anybody? When I have that supernatural within me and I could freely, naturally, naturally give it away. It's a big one. What I'm talking about is not your usual fare. It's not very popular either, is it? People don't talk about this, but I'm telling you, this is the answer that we need to give. You can't do, you, we can't do this anymore. You either believe what you're, what you, you either believe what the church is saying or you don't. Let's, let's just uh, fold it up and call it a day if we're not going to believe what we have to offer. If you're not going to believe that God is with you, that with God you're a majority. If you're not going to believe with God all things are possible. If you're not going to believe that God can make a difference. Now, what are we doing this for? Let's let's uh, fold it up. Let's sell our chicken and pilaf so that we can support the building. So the building looks beautiful. And we can say, hey, look, that's the first Christian nation. And then let's go and beg our um, our governments to help the poor Armenian people. Help us out, poor Armenian people. And then your kids grow up thinking that, oh yeah, we are the poor Armenian people. (laughs) Not me. I would never let anybody talk to me like that. Not when God is on my side. I'm not a poor person. I have it. I have the ability to change. I have the ability to bring about change. I have ability to make peace in this world. And the answer is no farther than the Asbazazin that we looked at last week, no farther than the grapes that tie us to the vine, that connect us to the vine. And with that connection, I have the ability to produce a great harvest. That's the message that comes to me. And that's the message we need to be speaking. All right, Susie making her announcements. I'll be back in just a couple moments. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vazgen. 
Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you, all of you, for your support, for your love, especially your prayers lately. I know I've gotten many messages. I really, really appreciate all of those prayers, and they've helped me get through a very difficult time, but I appreciate it. Listen, I was in uh, Rancho Mirage last Sunday for the Holy Divine Liturgy. A big shout-out for all the wonderful people out there, especially Deacon Gevork, who's the pastor of that parish. Wow, what a difference! In just a few months since he's taken over that pastorate, he's made it Christ-centered, and you see the results of his effort. I used to go there a, a few years ago, and there was like 10, 15 people. Now, it was like full house, you know? It was just beautiful. So God bless you. And, and you know, that there's that's a testament to when you put Christ in the center, what happens. You don't have to worry about it. You don't need your chicken and pilaf, you know? I'm bragging on the poor chicken pilaf. I do like chicken pilaf, okay? <laughs> anyway, that's a small little... Um, Sidelight. You'll 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 get it one day if you ever sit through a parish and see the the absurdity of how they make things run. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm I'm going to invite you to epostle.net. That's where all of these podcasts take place, and we have a daily podcast that comes out. It's called Armadoxy for today. I'd love it if you can uh, get on there and, and take a look and let me know what you think. We've been getting a lot, a lot of positive feedback. It also plays on Instagram and Facebook. And, well, there's all kinds of outlets at all your favorite podcatchers. And then watch for our Gidage show starting up, I think in September it's starting up. We've got a young man uh, named Vartan who's going to be taking that over and got a lot of good stuff coming up so looking forward to the the fall coming up the autumn season and new programming coming out from epostle and yes basement tapes if you haven't heard basement tapes you owe it to yourself to listen Susanna bogosian doing a beautiful job of of this podcast the basement tapes it is available on youtube and everything i talked about today there will be links on today's show notes okay so check out those show notes well that does it for today's show hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed putting it together kind of got a little bit rough but i think you know where i'm coming from so on behalf of my producer Susie and myself this is father voskin inviting you to join us again next week when we will take And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and production crew Vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Vpostle.net. Apostolic evangelism from electronic and standard universe. I forgot to ask you if uh, you, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Well, of course. And even on your birthday. Uh, bye.